Hello again, everyone. I'm Brian DeNovellis, and it's that time of year. Christmas may be the most wonderful time of the year, but for my money, the best time of the year has arrived. March is here. Conference tournaments have already begun. The Northeast Conference will play their semifinals, believe it or not, on Saturday. LIU is at Wagner, and Bryant, the top seed, will host Mount St. Mary's. Meanwhile, the weekend is filled with major conferences wrapping up their regular seasons. What a wild Wednesday it was in the Big East. Wacky. There were some strange outcomes, maybe not upsets, but the results were not what most people predicted. Did you have Creighton beating UConn? Well, if you were from Nebraska, you probably did, but most people probably thought UConn would go in there and get revenge after losing to Creighton earlier this year, but that was not the case whatsoever. No Ryan Nemhard, the dynamic leader of this Creighton offense, the point guard, the freshman, who will likely be the freshman of the year. He's out for the year, no problem. Ryan Kalkbrenner and company stepped up big time. The sophomore matched his career high with 22 points. He had 20 in the second half. And Creighton, I'm not gonna say they upset UConn, but I think they stunned them. 64-62, Danny Hurley has never beaten Creighton. Creighton has never lost to UConn, 5-0 all time. And look at the Blue Jays. They were predicted eighth in the Big East preseason poll. They have locked up a top five seed. They have won for the seventh time in eight games. If Ed Cooley wasn't the front runner for Big East coach of the year, Greg McDermott would get it. This team is hot. They are 12 and six. They face an equally hot Seton Hall team on Saturday. And Seton Hall took care of business against Georgetown. Was it a little closer than expected? Sure. But at this time of the year, you just win, baby. And Seton Hall did just that, assuring themselves of another winning record in the Big East Conference at 10 and 8, assuring themselves of another 10-win season in the Big East Conference. We'll get to the Pirates in just a bit. And how about St. John's? Uh-huh. Reports of their death have been greatly exaggerated. St. John's on senior night took care of business against a reeling Xavier team. It was Tariq Coburn hitting shot after shot, five for seven from three-point range. It was Julian Champagny pouring in 19 points. It was Aaron Wheeler lighting it up from the outside. It was Posh Alexander making big shots and big plays when it mattered most. And St. John's won 81-66. Xavier, what has happened to that team? They've lost seven of eight. They are reeling at the wrong time. But the story of this game was how well St. John's played. And maybe just for one night, they showed what this team is capable of doing if they put together an entire 40 minutes. There's still unfinished business left in Queens. And maybe, just maybe, it'll be a better ending than most St. John's fans have predicted up until this point. And to cap it all off, the shocker of the night in Chicago, Marquette needing just one win 
to clinch a top five seed fell on their faces. DePaul has now won three Big East games in a row for the first time since 2015. The Blue Demons winning 91 to 80. And of course, as they're winning, you know, Javon Freeman Liberty was going to have a big game with 26 points and nine rebounds and five assists. Man, oh man, DePaul. They're 15 and 14. One more win would solidify a winning record in Chicago. DePaul is better than people think. DePaul is better than people give them credit. And they will be a tough out no matter who plays them in the coming week. And there, sitting courtside with the best seat in the house, right next to Steve Lapis, calling play-by-play for the CBS Sports Network, was New Jersey's own, the pride of Short Hills and Milburn High School, Andrew Catalan. It's been a long time, my friend. How are you? Yeah, Brian, we go way back. It's uh, great to be with you on your podcast, and uh, it's an exciting time of year. It is. It is. So, yeah, Andrew and I, we, we covered a few uh, Giants training camps back in the day when he worked in Albany and, and I was at News 12 New Jersey, and then we'd always see each other at Giants Stadium or covering Jets and Giants throughout the year. So uh, I really appreciate it. And you've done very well for yourself, CBS Sports and Olympic curling, Masters, <laughs> college basketball. Uh, how, how do you do it all, Andrew? How, do you, how are you enjoying it? Well, I appreciate that. It's it's been uh, it's been a good run. I feel very fortunate, and CBS has been very good to me. Um, NFL and college hoops and golf. I mean, those are three of my favorite things. I'm a big baseball fan too. We don't have any baseball, but that allows me to watch the Yankees and uh, and not have to worry about working them. So it's been a it's been a real fun run with CBS, and I feel very fortunate. So I want to get to last night's Georgetown Seton Hall game that you called, but. Prior to that, Andrew, you've been on a pretty good streak with college basketball games. You've had some pretty, uh, you know, pretty big games that have gotten national attention. You were calling the game when Jawan Howard slapped the coach across the head. You called that triple overtime game between Xavier and Providence, that epic game, the best game in the Big East this year. So you, you've been around some pretty good games this year. Uh, what has it been like calling those games? It's been a, a great run. You're right, Brian. And, and then even Seton Hall last night on senior night, it was nice to be there being from New Jersey and calling a game that was 20 minutes from my house. I got to say that throughout this run that uh, the, the atmosphere in Providence is something that has really stood out to me. I was there when they lost at home to Villanova. And then, as you mentioned, I was there for the triple overtime win over Xavier. The atmospheres at those two games, some of the best college basketball uh, atmosphere in terms of fans and crowd that I've been around in a long time. Now, obviously, the last couple of years have been diminished with the pandemic. But, you know, I, I'm really impressed with uh, the atmosphere at Providence. And I think Ed Cooley is the coach of the year nationally. I mean, I, what he has done at Providence is just incredible. Uh, you look at that roster and they're very connected. Uh, they're a very close team, but there's no superstar on that team. And I think that speaks a lot to the job that, that Cooley has done to lead them to the regular season title. No question. And it's going to be hard to pick just one player on that team. You know that somebody should be on that first team, all big East. It's going to be hard to pick one, but we'll get to those picks a little bit later. So, so let's talk about the game you did last night with Steve Lapis. I thought it was kind of a strange game in that the fans were trying to 
get into it. Seton Hall seemed like they were in control, but yet every time you looked around, wait a minute, like Georgetown has a chance to tie or Georgetown has a chance to take the lead. How did it seem to you and Steve? Felt that way to me as well. I was waiting for that crowd to explode and I think they wanted to, but Seton Hall didn't really get in a great offensive rhythm against Georgetown. I mean, yeah, they scored and, and Georgetown's very poor defensively, but Hoyas hung around. Seton Hall really didn't make them pay for some of their mistakes as much as they could have. I, mean, I had Georgetown UConn on Sunday, and every time Georgetown made a mistake, UConn made them pay. Seemed like Seton Hall left the door open for them a little bit. Georgetown didn't knock through, but they were close in that second half, and I think that Seton Hall, with Roden down the stretch, finally was able to figure out a way to get it done. Never easy in the Big East this year. And the Pirates ultimately found a way to win, although it wasn't pretty. You're right. And it's March. So you know what? You have to win these games. And look at what happened to Marquette, thinking that they would go into DePaul and beat DePaul. So the bottom line is Seton Hall won the game. And I like where they're at with their chemistry. It's unfortunate that Bryce Aiken, they lost him. Um, but he's been gone for so long. And you pray that he'll be okay with his mental state of mind and his brain really moving forward. So taking him out of the equation, he won't be back for them. This team is really gelled. And in my opinion, Kevin Willard has done his best job of coaching, picking this team off the mat, putting the pieces together, getting Jameer Harris to be a point guard and share those duties with Kadari Richmond. How do you see the job that he's done and how it's all come together for them without Bryce Aiken? I had a chat with Willard in the in the hallway before the game, about an hour before tip-off, and he said that when Aiken went down initially, they thought or hoped it would be a one- or two-week injury, and he didn't want to change too much because, okay, we'll be without him for a few games. We don't want to completely, you know, readjust what we've been doing. But then when it became clear that it was going to be a longer-term absence, then he kind of changed everything. And now I think you're seeing them finally get adjusted to some of the changes he's made. They're in a good flow. They've now won seven of their last nine games. I think it took them a while to adjust to life without Bryce. And certainly, as you pointed out, he's a huge part of what they did and, and they will miss him going forward. But now they know he's not coming back and it seems like everyone's kind of fit into a role and it's working well for them. And I think they're a dangerous team. I really do, whether it's getting hot at Madison Square Garden for the Big East tournament or even into the NCAA tournament. I feel like, as you pointed out, Willard can really go different ways with his lineup. He can go big. He can go smaller. Jameer Harris is making contributions off the bench. I like where they're at right now. I, I think that they've kind of figured it out, right? That Jared Roden is still going to be uh, the star of this team, the face of the team. But yet on any given night, it could be Jameer Harris stepping up or someone like Trey Jackson having a career game. Or last night, I thought Kaderi Richmond, it's the best job I've seen him passing the ball. He was throwing the ball. He was threading it to guys. That's your first chance seeing him in person. You're a Syracuse guy. <laughs> uh, we know he came from Syracuse and now he's here. Uh, what do you think of him seeing him in person for the first time? I think he's a guy and, and you and I read, you know, kind of what attracted Kevin Willard to him, you know, in the offseason. He's a guy that didn't really have 
there's not a lot of guys like him on this roster. And that's why I think that he really fits well with everyone else around him. He's a guy that can penetrate. He can back you down, but he also can dish the basketball sixth in the big East and assist per game. And, and he's a guy that's getting more comfortable with extended minutes and, and knowing his role. So I think there's a lot to like about what Kadari Richmond has brought to Seton Hall this year. And then he's going to be a big part of what they do in March is to limit the turnovers. But if he can do that, he's a dangerous player. Yeah, I, th I think that's you hit it on the head there. Uh, limiting the turnover. Sometimes he's been a little loose with the ball. I think he's gotten better as he has known that he has to be in more control and and take over this point guard. The point guard reigns for really 25, 30 minutes a game. So Seton Hall has put themselves in position now to either finish sixth or fifth in the Big East. Uh, Marquette's last loss last night to DePaul put them in a position where if Marquette loses to St. John's and Seton Hall beats Creighton, suddenly Seton Hall's in that fifth spot. How about the job that Creighton did last night beating UConn, a team that some team are picking to win the Big East tournament, and they do it without Ryan Nemhard and really uh, put it together in a short period of time. I think people say, hey, they upset. They didn't upset UConn. They were at home, but they certainly stunned them a little bit. Yeah, I was stunned by it, too. I mean, I have a lot of respect for the job Coach McDermott does, and I saw them uh, earlier in February when they uh, they beat Butler at home. And it's a young team, but now there's not, you know, in March, you don't really have young teams anymore. I mean, they've played 25, almost 30 games, and losing Nemhard is a huge loss, and I think that really hurts them going forward. But to come out and beat a UConn team that I also feel has a great chance to win the Big East tournament. And Patrick Ewing saying that he thinks they're the most talented team in the league this year, which is high praise from Coach Ewing. So that was a big win for Creighton. I don't know what they're going to be able to do without Nemhard, but what they did last night was certainly impressive. So where does that leave UConn now? Uh, is that, a, I can't say it's a good loss because UConn's really trying to fight for a position. They've never beaten Creighton. Uh, does that shake their confidence a little bit? Does that tell Danny, hey, we need to go back to the drawing board? We're still not who we think we are? I don't think so. I, I think that they're still in good shape. I mean, I, I think this league is so tough that to expect to win every night is just not realistic. Um, and UConn's had a great season. I really think that Tyrese Martin is a guy, in addition to R.J. Cole, uh, they really feed off each other. Tyrese Martin averaging seven rebounds a game. I mean, if he gets hot from the outside, he makes them a different team. And, and Sunogo is a lot to handle. Now, he's been in foul trouble this season. If he stays out of foul trouble, you know, they, they have a lot of guys that on any given night can lead them in scoring. I think R.J. Cole is the glue. But I, there, I think that this is a UConn team that's fearless. And, and I think that they have a really good chance to make some noise in March. I think the Big East will do well in the NCAA tournament. And I think that UConn is going to be right in the thick of it for the league. So when a team plays defense and block shots the way they do, uh, I guess that's going to keep you in any game. What, what impresses you the most about this UConn team? Because uh, it's certainly Hurley's best team. I'd say toughness comes to mind right away. And I know that's not a, a stat, but, uh, you know, I think they're a tough team. They, they're, they're not going to feel back. Uh, they, they get back in a corner. I think that they can fight out of things. And they have guys coming off the bench 
that if they need a spark can provide that. If Tyler Polly coming off the bench is a very dangerous three-point shooter. I really like the freshman Jordan Hawkins. I know he's a freshman, but I think he has a chance to develop into a very good player in the Big East. So you can get a couple of contributions off the bench if your starters are having a slow night. And I think Danny Hurley really likes this team, and uh, I think they're primed for a big march. And like so many other Big East teams, right? Seniors, Whaley and Polly, graduate seniors, R.J. Cole, a senior, you know, they know how to win games. So uh, UConn is still in a good position. I would agree with you. St. John's was a surprise, maybe left for dead, certainly by by uh, St. John's fans. We're hearing, you know, all the Twitter talk, everybody coming out, Mike Anderson, let's fire him. Let's bring in Patino. Let's bring in somebody. Mike Anderson isn't going anywhere, number one. Number two, how did they put it together and and maybe play one of their best all-around games of the season against uh, a Xavier team that is going in the wrong direction? Xavier's going in the, in the absolute wrong direction. I would start to be worried about them. I mean, you know, I watched their game against Seton Hall on Saturday, and, and the Hall just controlled that game throughout. It didn't seem like Xavier had any answers on the offensive end. And then to lose against St. John's is another tough loss for Xavier. But to your point about St. John's, yeah, a really strange year. Um, I, I feel like they have talent. I felt like it was just so strange that so many guys left after last season. And I know that's kind of the, the way it is in college basketball these days with guys transferring in and out. Uh, but it felt like they had some good chemistry last year. So when, when guys started dropping, I thought that was strange. And I think it's taken a while for this new group to mesh together. I mean, Mike Anderson has a very different style, as we know, and it, it takes some time to get adjusted to his, his style of basketball, his brand of basketball. So I think that's why we've seen St. John's go up and down. It's not an easy style to play for the, the whole 30 games of a season. Now, playing at home in the Big East tournament, they can get hot for a couple of days. I would certainly buy into that. Uh, but I think that's kind of why they've been inconsistent this year. So can they go into Marquette and, and beat a Marquette team that's just coming off a loss to DePaul? Or do you think Marquette will, will get things together and, and Lewis will have a big game and, and they'll solidify one of those top uh, five spots in the Big East? I would think Marquette's the favorite. I think they know the importance of finishing in the top five as we do. Um, I think that, you know, this is a game that Shaka will get them fired up to play. But again, St. John's is, they're the ultimate X factor. I mean, I I really don't think you know what's going to happen until they show up for a game, how they're going to come out and play. So Marquette could struggle in that game. But if I had to pick one, I'd think that Marquette would be the favorite. This might be one of the most unpredictable Big East tournaments ever, Andrew. I mean, you could throw four or five teams in there who could possibly win it all. It's going to be wild. How do you handicap the Big East tournament next week? And what team or teams do you think have the best chance of winning it all? Yeah, I think there's multiple. I mean, if I had to pick one, I'd say UConn. Um, Hmm. I think that they're going to have a lot of fans at the Garden. I think that's a team. I think that's a a Danny Hurley type, let's get this crowd going. Let's, let's get fired up. We saw what they did at home against Villanova. That was a very impressive victory. The way that they were down late came back to win RJ Cole, a huge part of that, but Villanova could win it. Providence can win it. 
Seton Hall could win it. I mean, I mean, I, I really think that there's a handful of teams that could come away with the Big East tournament. All you have to do is look back to last year. Yeah. I mean, who would have picked Georgetown to win the Big East tournament? And they did. So in this league, what we've seen this year, I think it's it's such a fun league to call games in, to watch as a fan. I mean, every night it just seems like there's good games in this league, and I would not be surprised if we were in store for some big-time drama at the Garden next week. Yeah, I think I think there's one thing we can agree on. I don't think Georgetown is going to repeat as Big East Conference tournament champions, unfortunately. Uh, that, that's a whole other story over there, Andrew. They're, they're headed for an historic season where if they lose their final game – they're going to be 0-20, and the last team to go winless in the Big East was DePaul in 2008-2009. Uh, a once-storied program that you and I grew up, uh, they were you know, one of the best in college basketball year in and year out. How they've fallen and how they've gotten to this point, what do you think of what's happening there and Patrick Ewing's future? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, uh, to to have this record, to not have won a game since mid-December, to not won a Big East game since the Big East tournament a year ago, you know, especially with some of the guys um, like Wahab transferring, they've had some rough luck with transfers. You know, I guess you call it luck. Um, but the one thing I will say is that if you look at the games they've played, they play hard. I mean, they, they, there's no quit in this team. Now, do they make mistakes in bad times? Yes. Are they poor on the defensive end? Yes. I mean, it's not a good team, but they do play hard for Ewing. We saw the statement the athletic director put out yesterday, giving Patrick Ewing a vote of confidence. Um, and, you know, if he can get these guys to stay, which is, again, a huge part of college basketball these days, not losing guys to transfer, you know, I think that he could get them back going in the right direction next year. A good recruiting class coming in and, and more experience now with a, a pretty young team that he's had. Um, and, you know, again, you can get a, a grad transfer to come in and help at, at, a, at a position if you need. But it, it is uh, crazy to think of just, how far they've fallen, especially since last year's Big East tournament run. And and now you, you hope that Patrick Ewing can get them going again, because when Georgetown is good, the, you know, it's good for the Big East. You, you don't want a Hoyas team that, that's putting up records like this. Um, for Patrick Ewing and Georgetown to be good, I think would mean a lot for the league. No question. And, and to see, you know, so many empty seats at that arena this year, uh, it's a ghost town and, and it, it's a shame. So you hope they don't lose any players. You hope nobody transfers and says, I got to go elsewhere. And if they can keep the players there, um, you know, and build it back up. I, I, I certainly buy into Patrick Ewing. I, I wouldn't be one to quit on him either. So as we look ahead to the Big East tournament, you gave us the teams. Do you have your first team, all Big East of six players, let's say, uh, that hmm. you would place right now coming into the final weekend? Who would be your first team, all Big East? Wow. I'd have to think about that one. Um, I mean, I think Roden's on that list. I think obviously Gillespie and Moore from Villanova are on that list. You know, you made an interesting point earlier about Providence. I mean, who, who's going to be on that team from Providence? You would think the regular season champs would have one player. I mean, to me, the guy that's really made them go lately is Jared Bynum. I mean, yeah. he, he's been unbelievable, mostly coming off the bench. He has changed their season. I mean, they are they are a, a, such a unique team. I mean, Al Durham shoots 30%, yeah. but they get the ball in his hands no matter what he's done with five minutes to go. So 
that'll be an interesting choice. Champagny, yeah. you know, in that conversation as well. Um, I think that, you know, Sonogo, RJ Cole, they'll be on that in that mix. It, it's going to be tough. I mean, there's so many good players in this league, and it goes back to what I said before that any night you turn on a game in this league, and I think you're in for some excitement. It's just been that kind of year. I think I think you nailed them all. I, I put you on the spot there, and and Andrew, like a professional, you 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 came through with with the top players. I guess Lewis from Marquette would be the only other player that you could throw in that mix. Um, it, it's going to be an interesting choice for the Big East uh, coaches to pick the players. I think you already named the coach of the year, not just in the Big East, but maybe all around in college basketball. Uh, one of the best stories is Providence. So, Andrew, we thank you for the time. The last question I want to ask you is this. You've been with Steve Lapis now for several years. Uh, what is it like working with Coach? I'm sure you'll be paired with him again in the NCAA tournament as well, calling games for CBS. We've become such close friends, and I think it really makes a big difference when you work with someone who you're friends with. I mean, I don't have the exact number, but we've called, my guess, is over 300 games together now. Wow. Which is which is because almost every game that I do in college basketball is with him. I don't change partners a lot. And, and you know, we'll call 20, 25 games a year and we've been doing it. And that's before the NCAA tournament when you call six. So we're up around 300 right now. And it's wow. been a really special run. And, you know, when I was a student at Syracuse, he was the coach at Villanova. So I was, you know, familiar with him and. And we've we really become close, and I feel very lucky to work alongside of him. I think he does a great job. I, I think that he knows the game so well. And, um, you know, there's not a ton of coaches that are analysts right now if you look around the landscape of broadcasting. And, and there's some, obviously, but he, I think that he stands out, and it's great to get a coach's perspective on some of these games. Fantastic. Andrew, great stuff. I didn't realize you guys called that many games together. It's so common for so many play-by-play announcers to be paired with different analysts from week to week and here you are with the same guy uh you haven't gotten sick of each other which is pretty good <laughs> and uh it, it's really a pleasure uh listening to the both of you do it and we look forward to your calls coming up in the ncaa tournament and this weekend where are you gonna be this weekend by the way this weekend saturday on cbs i've got alabama at lsu all right uh and your pick for that game I, both teams lost last night. That's um, a big game for seeding in the SEC. It's the second time they met. Alabama won at home. I, I think there's a toss-up. Both teams match up pretty well against each other. It's a pretty good rivalry. They, they met in the SEC championship game last year. So I think it should be a fun one. Fantastic. Andrew, we will be watching. Thank you for handicapping the Big East and uh, for all you do for college basketball all over the country and in this area. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Brian, thank you. Appreciate it. Great being with you. You too. All right. We'll see you soon. All right. Andrew Catalan, CBS Sports. He's a professional. He can do it all. College basketball, NFL, the Masters, the Olympics. Just a kid who grew up in Short Hills, went to Milburn High School, living the dream. Thank you, Andrew. So what is in store this weekend, the final weekend of the regular season in the Big East? Can Seton Hall go into Creighton and knock off the Blue Jays and potentially get up to that fifth spot? They'll need St. John's to go into Marquette and upset Marquette. I'll tell you that much. How about UConn? Can they get back in the win column against DePaul? And one of the biggest stories will actually take place 
in Cincinnati as Xavier hosts Georgetown. Xavier needs this win in the worst way. They are on the NCAA tournament bubble. They are reeling, losing seven of their last eight. And worse yet, what if Georgetown comes in 0-19, trying to avoid becoming the first team since DePaul in 2009 to go winless in the Big East? What if Georgetown goes in there and wins? It wouldn't shock me if Georgetown pulls off the upset and goes 1-19, winning their first game since December. It's going to be a fun weekend of Big East basketball here in the Tri-State. It starts at noon, Villanova and Butler, followed by Seton Hall, Creighton, DePaul, UConn, Georgetown and Xavier, and it will end sometime after 11 o'clock with St. John's and Marquette. And at that moment, we will know what the seedings are for the Big East tournament, which will tip off next Wednesday at Madison Square Garden. Can't wait. Enjoy the games, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. So long.